The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Ellis Martin Report. During this broadcast, you will learn of potential investment opportunities involving publicly traded companies. These companies have paid us for exposure on this program. We ask that before you consider any possible investment choice, do your own research. You can begin the research process by visiting our website, ellismartinreport.com. Remember, if you do invest in any publicly traded concern, you do so at your own risk. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report, Ellis Martin. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with David Morgan of TheMorganReport.com. David co-authored the book along with David Smith, Second Chance. David, welcome back to the program. Ellis, it's great to be back. It's been a while. I thought you forgot about me. Uh, Well, no, I didn't forget about you, but I I don't like to chat you up unless we have something amazing to discuss, which I I imagine we do after an I don't know what kind of summer just went by. I agree, Ellis, but it really went fast. We had such a long winter. And I did get some kayaking in. I did get to float the river a couple times. And I'm doing my white water raft trip, my annual, with my family tomorrow. And that's the end of the season. I think uh, I've got less than three weeks off to button up the lawn and take all the summer stuff off the patio. Sounds a little depressing, although in your neck of the woods, uh, fall is, uh, is a wonderful place to be. Actually, I agree. September, October up here is pretty nice. David, I'm remiss to do any predicting with regard to what we can expect to see over the next few months in the market. What I've learned from some of our peers is the assay labs are backed up all over North America. So as a rule, we may not see any drill results from some of the companies we like for maybe not an additional two or three weeks yet to come. Gold and silver have trickled up, but I haven't seen any massive moves anywhere. What are your thoughts? Yeah, we're grinding up slowly. I think, you know, the dollar's been on a tear to the downside, and that's certainly helped the gold market. Additionally, the stock market looks extremely overvalued, and it has been for some time, but it continues to be in that range. It's been uh, under the ability of the smart investors, the smart money, to move and distribute their stock into the weaker hands. I think we're getting ready for a fall in the fall, but we'll see if that's the case. Gold is actually more negatively correlated to the stock market than it is the dollar, believe it or not. So in other words, it's more likely to get a boost to the upside on a falling stock market than it is on a falling dollar, although they both play in the gold movement. And I think this shift, the big shift has taken place, Ellis. I mean, as far as the next few months, I think higher in gold and lower in stocks. But I also believe and well, I can't state I know, but all the indicators that I use and believe in and have proven themselves indicate that the shift is taking place, which means we're moving from equities back into precious metals. And that's a huge thing to know about because that means we have a sustainable rally in the metals for, let's say, the next three to five years, perhaps. And basically, the equity markets are something you want to be out of or lighten up on at least over the same time frame. When we see the stock market as a whole retract and everyone's telling me that's going to happen. I won't believe it until it does happen. We know that gold prices, precious metals in general, can go up. 
the physical metal, which you always advise everybody to have in their portfolio. But uh, if there's some sort of serious market event going on, that doesn't always mean the stocks, the companies that are in the business we're in, are going to be able to uh, sustain any growth. In fact, they could take a hit as well, right? Absolutely. That's the most important question that I get the most often, is if there is a huge equity sell-off, what happens to the mining shares, basically? And the answer is their stocks, just like the stock market. So they go down with the market. Does gold go up? And the answer is no. Usually in a big sell-off, gold itself will go down as well. And the reason for that is there's so many derivatives around gold being primarily the ETFs. So fund managers, for the most part, don't care. Money managers, pension funds, family offices even, whatever it is, or retail investors. They all see a down market and they'll sell something that they have to sell, even if they don't want to, to meet their margin calls or whatever the crisis de jure happens to be. So the best thing to do, of course, is to know the future. None of us do. Either stick it out or protect yourself ahead of time with you know, options. You can do that. Or you can cash up and be ready for a fall. But normally what happens in an equity fall off, since gold is the most negatively correlated, is just basically wait it out or take advantage of the dip. And gold usually will pop up first. And that's exactly what happened in the 2008 financial crisis. Gold did go down. Silver went down. All equities went down. But the first one off the mat was gold, then silver, then the mining equities. And they all did quite well. Of course, the general stock market came back as well, as we all know. I mean, from 2009 until present day, it's been the longest sustained rally in stocks for in probably ever, as far as in the U.S. So... The metals are very unloved. Only the smart money is starting to move back into the precious metals and the resource sector in general. But they're starting to make headlines. People are noticing that gold's at a 12-month high. People are noticing that the energy metals like cobalt, lithium, vanadium are important. People uh, aren't really talking rare earths or uranium these days. The zinc story's out. We were the first ones on that. The zinc market's getting very tight. Copper is performing quite well. So the resource sector in general is starting to firm up, even though very few people are paying attention to that sector. So would you advise some profit-taking and some of the long-term holdings that investors have been involved in for the last several months and cashing up and then being prepared to take advantage of either or both potential dip that's coming or some great opportunities still around? Well, that's always a tough one because it's an individual question. It depends on the portfolio, the person's personality, if they're short-term or long-term oriented. But generally speaking, if you're overweighted equities, I would certainly think about lightening up myself. If you're underweighted in the uh, resource sector, I would consider doing some very good homework or you know, looking at somebody that really knows what they're doing in that sector and finding the gems. And also, if you have some dogs in your portfolio, I'd certainly lighten up on those. If you have good profits in some of the metal stocks or resource stocks, what I've done here recently, and this is short term, is write some covered calls. And I expect to be called out on about half of my position in this particular company and capture the full premium on the other chunk. And that's a good way to do it. Very volatile, but very well-known NYSE silver company, actually. And, you know, you can make 15% in a month. It's kind of hard to pass that up. And, of course, I gave that out to our members and let them know I was doing it, which I do almost all the trades that I do. But it depends, Ellis. I don't. I wish I'd give you a better answer. But if you're unsure what to do, I'd say when in doubt, stay out. Just stay in cash. There's nothing wrong with cash. I know I beat up the fiat 
currency system all the time. But it is what works and it is what we have and it is the tool that we use as of right now. So if you're sitting on a pile of cash and oh my goodness, you know, David thinks the market's going to this or that, and that's true, doesn't mean you have to take any action. You might just wait. If I was sitting on a lot of cash right now, I would wait. I would wait through all of September and all of October. Now, during that time frame, I might change my mind. I and mean, if there's a huge sell-off in the stock market and I say everything go down, I'd probably, depends how aggressively, take like maybe half the cash and start buying aggressively into the resource sector, particularly probably in the energy metal space. I'd, I'd leave lithium out of it. Uh, I would be in the primary golds and silvers. I'd probably look at like our zinc situation and one that uh, we just reported on last month that has a great copper exposure to it. So anyway, that's that's what I would do. So I wouldn't jump in and say, this is the bottom I know. I've been burned too many times thinking I can pick a bottom. But buying half a loaf of bread is better than buying none because if it does happen to be the exact bottom and it's very brief, at least you've got a pretty good position. Why aren't we seeing the kind of activity in the copper space with regard to small cap public companies that we've seen in the energy space when really copper is more crucial than anything and the supply uh, in the ground is not coming out of the ground to meet the demand now or the upcoming demand? Because there's a ton of copper out there. I'm not that bullish on copper. I'm much more bullish on zinc. But the price is the price. But no, that's your question because you asked. There are all kinds of big gold deposits. In fact, this gold company that David Smith just took a trip to and got the video of and everything we do at the Morgan Report has got a huge, it's a gold copper project, basically. And there's a lot of gold copper projects out there. So... There's a lot of copper that will be either a byproduct of a gold mine or copper is really the primary product, but it's advertised to be a gold mine or a silver mine. Let's take mines management, for example, something that was on our list. You know, we took it from, we saw it go from a dollar to 10 bucks. We got out at eight. I thought it'd be cute to get back in after it's going to become a mine. And I think we got in at a buck 30. I mean, my members can tell me I'm wrong. Took a big, huge profit off of it, waited years, got back in it, and it was eventually bought out by Hecla Mine. But that is really a copper-silver project. It's not so much a silver project. Depending on a good high price of silver, yes, it's a silver mine. Why? Because more than 50% of the bottom line revenue is a result of selling silver to the market. But unless you have a high price silver, it's really a copper mine. But this is something that you don't hear about. You know, you're going to say, oh, it's a silver, you know, silver, 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 silver. Well, it's a copper, silver situation. And that's true across the board. So there's a lot of untapped, huge copper deposits around the world that are big. So for a small company to come up, not trying to discourage the junior sector, all I'm trying to say is, you know, here's the answer to your question. All right. Fair enough. Thank you very much for that. Now, I guess you have uh, enough extra time on your hands to where you can uh, produce a podcast on a regular basis. Welcome. You've been doing it for a while now. Tell us about it. Well, a couple things. One is that I was encouraged to do a podcast by our marketing guy some years ago, and I finally got around to it. In fact, Kerry Lutz was the one that kind of stuck me and said, hey, come on, get going. So he helped me set it up. And then I did something that I hope is useful. It's a commitment, but I do a weekly perspective now on the podcast. And what I try to do is look over all the week's news and pick out the most critical. And I make a podcast of that every week that's on Fridays. And that goes up to our free email list. So if you just go to themorganreport.com and give us a name and an email, you'll get that sent to your inbox every weekend. And I try to make a 10 
five minutes or less, crucial news, and always wrap up with the precious metals. So I have something to say about gold and silver at the end of every podcast. This saves people a lot of time. It's a free service. It takes my time and energy, but nonetheless, it's something. So it seems to be capturing somewhat of a following, but you know, anyone that's listening to the Ellis Martin Report, certainly please forward that information to anyone that's interested in listening to podcasts. Again, I try not to waste anyone's time. It's pretty direct. Hi, it's David. Here's the week ending, blah, blah. And I shoot it out straight out. Most of the time, I do a video of it, but the podcast is the most important. There is usually like backup. In other words, I'm showing the documents that I'm referring to, so there's no like. And it's opinion as well as fact. I bring up the fact and give you the opinion on, let's say, the article. So it's really been kind of fun, but it's tough when you're traveling. But I made the commitment, so you know you'll be hearing me from Stockholm and Australia and New York and San Francisco, and that's the next four trips. And I got about three more on top of that. I can't even remember. Are you heading down to the IMAR conference in Melbourne at the end of October? I am. Yeah, I'll be there. That's fantastic. I, I have not been to this conference, but I really like the that group and the folks that put on Minds and Money globally as well. So perhaps we will do another uh, follow-up interview specifically about that before we both head out there in a few weeks. Good. That'd be wonderful. And by the way, uh, I think a lot of uh, Kerry Lutz, I don't mind saying this publicly, almost as much as uh, I think of you. And I think whatever advice he's giving you is really, really good. You've got a large following. I encourage all of our listeners to uh, find your podcast. And how can they do that? Yeah, I think the easiest way is to just go to Google and just type in the Morgan Report podcast, and it'll probably bring you up. If you just want to go to the website, the Morgan Report, you can read our blog. I just blog once a week. And there's a menu at the top that says blog, podcast, one's for the blog, obviously, one's for the podcast. So you can get it from the website as well. But I think most podcast people are pretty independent. All you have to do basically is, you know, Google it, and I guess you bookmark it or, or subscribe to it or something like that. And that's how that works. I'm pretty sure. Well, David, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I wish you all the best. Thanks so much for uh, joining me again on the program today. Yeah, I missed you. Great to be back. Thank you. I've been speaking with David Morgan of TheMorganReport.com. Listen to the segment again on our website, ellismartreport.com, or download the entire Ellis Martin Report on iTunes or TuneIn Radio. High-quality but undervalued mining stocks are finally starting to attract the attention of investors. Get the latest news and resource stock investment opportunities with a subscription to Resource World magazine. Published six times a year, Resource World features in-depth articles on mineral area plays, commodities of interest and valuable investment insights by highly qualified market analysts, geologists, and mining journalists. Go to resourceworld.com to find out more. I'm Ellis Martin. Join me now for a conversation with Paul Westsells, President and CEO of Western Copper and Gold, trading as WRN on the New York Stock Exchange and WRN on the TSX. Western Copper and Gold is solely focused on developing the world-class casino project located in the politically stable Yukon Territory. Currently in the permitting phase, Casino is poised to be the premier copper gold mine in Canada and the flagship mine for the Yukon. Western Copper and Gold, through its wholly owned subsidiary, Casino Mining Corporation, is committed to developing the casino mine in a manner that provides economic opportunity for all involved while maintaining the highest levels of social and environmental practices. Paul, welcome back to the program. It's 
great to be back, Ellis. There's some very exciting news coming out of the Yukon Territory with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau visiting the area this past weekend. Why don't you share that news with us and how it ultimately may also benefit Western copper and gold? This was a tremendous announcement that happened over the weekend. The Prime Minister came up to Whitehorse for one reason, and that was to make this a major infrastructure announcement. So we held a press conference with the Premier of the Yukon, Sandy Silver, and they jointly announced $360 million worth of infrastructure funding in the Yukon. And if you break down what that infrastructure funding is, what you'll find is about $130 million of that is essentially a road to casino. So there's two parts to the road. The first part is an existing road that will be upgraded, and that is 100% funded. And the second part of that funding is actually the second part of the road, which goes right to the mine site, and that's 30% of the funding for that. So this is, I believe, the largest federal infrastructure spend in the Yukon, in certainly the history of this government, and certainly in the past 20 years. So it's a big announcement for the Yukon. It's a big announcement for Western copper and gold and our shareholders. Let's flesh this out a bit. It's probably one of the biggest mining or resource announcements in Canada right now, and it begins in the Yukon. It's pretty much a night and day game changer for the area, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, it was interesting. I mean, I had a little bit of heads up that this was coming, but it was very important that the Prime Minister showed up for this. If you look at the Yukon, you're looking at a territory where you have about 30% of the GDP is from mining. So the lifeblood of the Yukon is mining, and the reason that there isn't more mining and more resource development in the Yukon is a lack of infrastructure. So this is what successive Yukon governments have known is what was needed to unlock the potential and value creation in the Yukon, and it was great to see the Prime Minister up making this announcement. And you know, the other thing that is key on this, and I, and I think is, is very important for your, your listeners and, and our shareholders to understand, is that to get to this point, not only did we need to get the federal government convinced that this was a good idea in the territorial government as well, but also all the First Nations needed to essentially sign off on the plan with some conditional support on this. So that was a key part of this, was that the First Nations needed to be on board. So that took place over the past year. They all signed letters of support. And I mean, it's a tremendous federal, territorial, and First Nation government-supported package. The Yukon First Nations are basically the most business-progressive entity of its kind in Canada. Is that not true? Certainly, that's my experience. Pretty much every one of the First Nations in the Yukon has a business development arm. Most of those business development arms are making money out of the mining industry. And some of them are big mines, such as what we're contemplating at Casino and is currently in existence with the Minto Mine and the New Eagle Mine. But a lot of that is plaster mining as well. They're actively involved. They understand mining. They understand the benefits of mining. So they're great partners to work with in terms of moving projects forward. What does that kind of money mean for the local population. Are there enough locals there to support the sector with regard to manpower, or are you now going to be reaching out to a labor force from all over the country? Certainly we'll need to be looking at uh, attracting workers from other parts of the country. And when we look at the casino project, when that mine is in construction and operation, there'll be a significant sort of labor requirement that will need to come from outside of the Yukon. But I know you've been up in the Yukon, and I've been up there for 10 years, and what's exciting for me is when you have a project like the casino project, which has a mine life 
22 years, that's a sort of lifespan where you can think about relocating a family and you can think about relocating yourself and say, look, I've got a guaranteed job here for 20 years and the Yukon's a pretty nice place to hang out. And wages are very, very good in the Yukon. Absolutely, absolutely. Mining jobs are real jobs. They are middle-class jobs. I mean, I always say the janitor that's going to work at the casino mine is going to make probably close to $100,000 a year. This is what these sort of jobs give. I mean, these are very, very good jobs to help move people into the middle class. And this is one of the reasons why they appeal so much to some of these smaller First Nation and non-First Nation communities that sort of have had difficulty sort of getting their population into the middle class. Let's talk specifically about Western Copper and Gold's casino project. What can we expect to see during the next two years? The goal here is really to get back into the permitting and back into the panel review process, which is the next step. And so what we're doing right now is there's a couple of critical path items, particularly around tailings. We want to absolutely make sure we have that done right and importantly have First Nation community and regulator support. So we have a process that's underway right now to ensure that all those are lined up. That's underway. And then once that's underway, then we push through in the permitting and get this permitted. So that's what you can sort of expect over the next year to two years. The thing that's exciting for me is that this is happening in a backdrop of a copper commodity environment that looks very, very positive. We had copper blow through $3 and then 310 Yesterday, it almost hit 320 So I've always sort of talked about the fundamentals of copper as being very, very strong. Now we're finally seeing the copper price move in reaction to those fundamentals. Whether those fundamentals include refurbishing current infrastructure or building out new infrastructure, new technological advancements needing copper, or the modernization of Chinese and Indian populations, there's no shortage of demand, yet there is a shortage of supply, as most of the copper in the ground has yet to be brought out of the ground. Absolutely. You know, I was reading an article this morning that was saying that there's, I think, 20 lithium junior mining companies that have sort of turned up overnight. And we just went through our presentation and we were trying to come up with a list of copper junior mining companies and we came up with about 10. And lithium, sure, there's batteries, but batteries can change. The technology can change. Copper is copper. Absolutely, it's in terms of weight in an electric vehicle, it's the number one after, obviously, steel, number one metal that's going to be used. If you look at the infrastructure that needs to be built in India, China, even in North America and Europe, as we move to more electrified world, that's all copper. I look at that sort of future, and part of the dialogue right now is why has copper moved so fast? And copper has moved so fast really because the smart money and the smart people looking into the future can see that we have a huge demand for copper. It's right around the corner and we just don't have the supply to make it. Well, Paul, it's been a pleasure catching up, especially with this great news regarding infrastructure and road building in the Yukon. Thanks so much for joining me today in the program. Thanks, Ellis. My pleasure. I've been speaking with Paul Wessels, President and CEO of Western Copper and Gold trading as WRN on the New York Stock Exchange and WRN on the TSX. Listen to this segment again on our website, ellismartreport.com. You've just heard opinion, commentary, and dissertation involving publicly traded companies seeking your potential investment. They paid us for the privilege. Invest at your own risk and only after doing extensive research. Find our sponsors and listen to segments of this program again on our website, ellismartreport.com.